Hello again, everybody. Uh, this is uh, Jason Powers. Today, we'll explore the DC oligarchy and how they are ruining the Constitution, its liberties, and operating in a corrupt and lawless manner. The establishment is desperate to maintain power over the people, demonizing citizenry, decrying them as a mob or white supremacists, while inciting and unleashing a Marxist led organization in BLM. This while cozying up to the CCP and supporting their objectives. Today we'll discuss that in this episode. Maxine Waters. This is discussing the Derek Chauvin uh, trial. I'm going to have to uh, do a little auto ducking here. So her uh, her uh, uh, her objective has been always to um, stir up uh, race riots and and the like. Um, I think this is a terrible. Uh, problem that's coming to a head in our country where we have elected leaders uh, doing this kind of thing uh, interfering with justice uh, later on the uh, the just uh, the actual court uh, spoke against her uh, see if I can cue this up this is from uh, diamond and silk I'm using a headphone today and um, I'm afraid it's gonna max out a little bit so I'm trying to talk a little softer and then hopefully that'll um dial down the the problems here but one can never no one can never tell whether that's actually the case so i'm gonna see if i queued up correctly to where the judge called her out Life. Mm-hmm. To continue. nope yeah a little bit further on you all take a look at this i'm aware that congresswoman waters was talking specifically about this trial 
and about the unacceptability of uh, anything less than a murder conviction and talk about being confrontational. But you can submit the press articles about that. This goes back to what I've been saying from the beginning. I wish elected officials would stop talking about this case, especially in a manner that is disrespectful to the rule of law and to the judicial branch and our function. I think if they want to give their opinions, they should do so in a respectful and in a manner that is consistent with their oath to the Constitution to respect a co-equal branch of government. So there's a, there's a judge actually uh, speaking quite uh, firmly. And of course Chauvin was convicted of, uh, on all counts, including a murder charge. This is, this is dangerous as far as I'm concerned because uh, we're no longer operating in, in the bounds of the law. And that's why this episode's uh, being uh, discussed. Uh, we're going to reiterate this uh, through our uh, friend uh, uh, Yuri Besmanov. I'm not going to play the whole thing. I'm just going to play a snippet here, so bear with me. Well, you spoke several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the process which is legitimate, overt, and open. You, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do, is to unplug their bananas from their ears, open up their eyes, and they can see it. There is no mystery. There is nothing to do with espionage. I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic. It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond type uh, of, of thrillers. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of it intelligence at all. According to my uh, opinion and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, activne meropriatia in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is... So there's Jury uh, talking about 85% uh, of the time is spent on psychological operations. So we're going to uh, play a little snippet uh, from Sinclair Media. This was from two or three years ago. I think we're all aware of this going on, that the messaging, uh, the Mockingbird media is out there. So we'll go ahead and play that. Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is, is to, to serve, serve our, our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned, concerned about trouble and trying to be responsible one-sided one news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same stories without checking facts first. 
post. Unfortunately, some members of the media use their platforms to push their own personal bias and agenda to control exactly what people think. And this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 So I think you get the point there. Our next clip comes from, uh, it was uh, recorded off War Room. Uh, this is a CIA special, a special agent, uh, older gentleman who's retired. Um, but I'm going to let him talk for himself and we'll go from there. Destruction of our country. Yeah, look, you listen to them march to the streets of Brooklyn two days ago. The standard chant now is every city, every town, burn the precincts to the ground. This is not police reform. This is the destruction of law and order and, and the destruction of the republic expressly. You mentioned tapping into the same money, Sam. Um, there's obviously money from Americans, uh, including corporate sponsors, who have been giving at least money to Black Lives Matter. Who else is providing support to these organizations, both, uh, it seems, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, either directly or through various cutouts? Right. Well, obviously, if, you, if I mean, as we all well know, or most people should know, if you run this back to, to ground, what you're going to find is that there are organizations associated with the Chinese United Front, like the Chinese Progressive Association, that provide funding, that provide support. Uh, this, this Marxist infrastructure that's in place did not occur. It wasn't stood up last year. This is decades of work ongoing in the United States to establish the foundation for a revolution. And I use that term very deliberately and very explicitly. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say, based on your reporting at N Magazine, among others, Sam, that had the Chauvin trial found differently, that uh, they had the jurors acquitted him, as on the merits seemed to be the right outcome, we would have seen this infrastructure kicking into high gear in cities around the country. And that slogan that you just referred to would have been operationalized and it wouldn't probably have been limited to precincts, right? Right. But, but as much as much of the media doesn't want to cover it, uh, they didn't shut down. I mean, there are ongoing marches and protests in Columbus, Elizabeth City, North Carolina. They've grabbed a hold of at least a couple of different police shooting cases already as the new pretext. And that's all it is. But there is no end to this short of either ending the insurrection or allowing them to destroy the republic. That's how this ends. Yeah. The, the thing that's so troubling uh, and there's a lot here that is, but particularly troubling is that we're talking, Sam, as you indicated a moment ago, about state sponsorship of this kind of insurrectionist activity. It happens, as we've discussed before, that this is out of the playbook of the Chinese Communist Party. Its so-called unrestricted warfare strategy includes civil disturbances and unrest um, much of it also couched in uh, furtherance of this narrative that we are a systemically racist country, which 
even the president of the United States and the vice president of the United States now stipulate to. Talk about the degree to which the end state that Antifa and Black Lives Matter and others of their ilk are pursuing happens to be exactly aligned with the ambitions of the Chinese Communist Party. And, and what is it doing independent of these groups inside the United States to advance that objective? Right. Well, as you said, this is straight out of uh, Chinese Communist playbook. This is classic Maoist doctrine. And in terms of their strategic objectives, the Chinese Communist Party's objectives, the, the whole effort here is to undermine, destabilize, weaken their adversary. So that occurs, it's occurring now in the streets, it occurs in terms of suborning our politicians, uh, our national security officials. I mean, my God, look at the folks that Joe Biden is trotting out and filling his cabinet with. Every one of them is coming out of an institute of some sort that has been up to its eyeballs in Chinese money, hundreds of millions of dollars, in most cases, completely unaccounted for. We have no idea exactly who gave it to them and why. And they've bought themselves, they being the Chinese communists, an entire government. You're going to send your secretary of state to negotiate with them. Well, for the love of God, he's been running an institute funded by them in large measure for the last several years. The Biden you, Center, I think you're speaking of, at the University of Pennsylvania, no less. Yes, yes. I mean, so who do you think he's negotiating for when he's sitting there talking to the communist Chinese? You wonder why you're getting a terrible deal? Well, I mean, you're getting the deal that they paid for is what you're getting. Or even at a more symbolic level, you, you hear the Chinese denouncing us and nobody seems to be quite pushing back because presumably they are uh, too badly compromised. And I, I'm afraid that that applies to others throughout the administration. In fact, there's a very important initiative to which you're contributing, uh, the Accountability Initiative, it's called. Accountabilityinitiative.org is the website, folks. And you're finding case after case after case of senior Biden-Harris administration officials starting with the president himself, of course, who have been compromised. So oh, in the process, the abandoning again those. So um, there, there you go. So we're going to talk about these um, compromising aspects. So there was an article dropped by the uh, New York Post regarding this. A big tech bankrolls BLM co-founder uh, PAC uh, charities in exchange for support. So Big Tech has showered Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors' pack in charities with millions in donations and censors her online critics as she uh, backs, uh, backs their battle to control the Internet. Philanthropists linked to Facebook, Twitter, and Netflix have donated more than $7.5 million to a host of nonprofits controlled by uh, con Cullors, who has helped them lobby for net neutrality. The issue of net neutrality is about who controls the Internet. Proponents, including human rights groups, want a free flow of views and information. Uh, they fear content can be controlled by phone and cable companies, the Internet service providers, and how they set fees and speeds for content producers and users. Big tech firms, many of which are already engaged in censoring content they don't agree with, don't want ISPs to control the Internet and their profits. So... 
Anyway, co uh, Colors uh, 37 began lobbying for net neutrality in 2014, a year after she founded the co-founded the Black Lives Matter movement with the hashtag Black Lives Matter. The continued growth of this movement and its capacity to respond nimbly and effectively to the brutal and biased policing of black communities depends in part on the access to non-discriminatory internet, she wrote in an opinion piece for The Hill in December 2014. See, so she she rose to uh, a, a substantial power through this particular um, yeah, situation. Um, so... Uh, so I don't know. It gets it goes on from there. So Dustin Moskovitz, a billionaire co-founder at Facebook, and his wife uh, Carrie Tuna are among the biggest donors to groups controlled by Con Colors. So Facebook, through their Open Philanthropy and Good Ventures nonprofits, Open Philanthropy. Uh, I've heard that name before. I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, well, I'll, I'm not going to go into comment on that. So. Um, I thought I remembered what that was tied to. It might be tied to some other names. They've contributed $5.5 million between 2017 and 2020, according to public records. The cash went to dignity and power now, So, uh, and reform of L.A. jails. So these are uh, nonprofits she started. Uh, and she's located in Los Angeles, and we know that she uh, now has uh, bought a house, multiple uh, worth uh several uh worth uh oh I think one point three million or one point two million dollars and she owns three homes out there. So Twitter's CEO Jack Dorsey was also a big donor to movements linked to Con Colors. The tech billionaire gave one point five million in twenty twenty. Ain't that uh, ain't that special? Through his uh quote start small philanthropy. Well, one point five million isn't starting small. That's that's starting on um. Uh, starting on Easy Street, <laughs> so that tells you a lot. So uh, let's see here. Uh, Patricia Ann Quill, the wife of billionaire Netflix co-founder Reed Hastings, donated a quarter million dollars to reform LA jails in 2020. So, um, just so you know, so that's a cut out there for Netflix. So, uh, well, since they, I just mentioned Netflix, uh, yeah. There's an article up on Gab uh, written by uh, the founder there, Andrew Torba. Any references back to um, um, Greg Reese, uh, who uh, did an excellent video on the uh, propagandist roots of Netflix. He, write, and he writes in this article, it's called How to Exit the Oligarch Systems of Control. So I'm going to read this little portion here. So Greg Reese recently produced an excellent video on, on the propagandist roots of Netflix. I highly recommend you watch the video, bookmark it, and then share it with a friend. The co-founder and first CEO of Netflix is Mark Bernays Randolph. So that was the, the co-founder. His paternal great-uncle is Edward Bernays, the father of the modern advertising, uh, who wrote the book Propaganda about the use of advertising and public relations by the elite ruling class as a form of psychological manipulation on the masses. Bernays believed that the invisible people who create knowledge and propaganda rule over the masses with a monopoly on the power to shape thoughts, values, and citizen response. Not surprising, the very system he helped create hasn't labeled him a hateful and dangerous conspiracy theorist for saying such things as so regularly does to others who dare to point out the obvious. 
So, and the phrase conspiracy theorist is tied to the CIA who uh, invented that phrase or came up with that particular uh, smear tactic uh, out of the auspices or the, out of the results of the Warren Commission um, when people didn't believe that uh, Oswald acted alone. Bernays is responsible for an ad campaign, Torches of Freedom, that influenced women to start smoking cigarettes as a symbol of liberation. This campaign wasn't simply about selling more cigarettes. It was about selling the idea of feminism to uh, women, demonizing men, and breaking up the nuclear family. The true motives, uh, motives of the propagandists are always cleverly disguised behind a veil of things like quote-unquote capitalism, quote-unquote entertainment, and quote-unquote social justice. It's never about simply selling more products, entertaining you, or creating positive social change in the world. It's about control. There's the key. It's about control. So there's a... And obviously there's an overwhelming agenda that being pushed upon the United States of America in regards to that. So there's Netflix for you. So the third article here is uh, revealed anti-Trump impeachment witness meeting with Chinese Communist Party think tank. This is Natalie Winters uh, writing this on April 23rd. Anti-Trump impeachment witness Noah Feldman met with the Chinese Communist Party think tank the National Pulse can reveal. The Harvard Law professor who testified was called to testify by the Democrats in the former President Donald Trump's first impeachment trial was vi visited the Shanghai Institutes of International Studies and met with leaders from the state-run think tank. So keep that in mind. Shanghai Institutes of International Studies. A previously unreported press release published in 2016 describes Feldman's SIIS meeting. March 21st. SIIS President Yang Yaman meets with Professor Noah Feldman of Harvard Law School, Dr. Xiao Weijing, Executive Director of the Center for American Studies, also attended the meeting. The two sides talked about the relation between China's domestic government's reform and its foreign policy as well as Sino-U.S. relations. Afterwards, Professor Feldman shared ideas about the trend of international politics with SIIS young research fellows and graduate students. The think tank has extensive ties to the Chinese Communist Party United Front Work, uh, uh, United Front Work Department, which aims, quote, to co-op and neutralize sources of potential opposition to its policies and authority of its ruling Chinese Communist Party. And, influence foreign governments and other actors to take actions or adopt positions supportive of Beijing's preferred policies, according to the U.S.-China Security and Economic Review Commission. So, that's Noah Feldman, and there's pictures on this, and I've left a link to the article. Uh, Natalie Winters doing, uh, is doing yeoman's work in regard to this um, uh, particular situation. I got one more for you. So, and it will a tie intertwines BLM, uh, BLM and um, actually the Pamela Carlin. So I'm going to start with a few paragraphs above that, and then well, I'm reading this from my book. In early October, a group of anarchists were arrested in their plans to kidnap Michigan Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmer. Upon review, at least one of the plotters attended a BLM protest over George Floyd. 
This was buried in a Washington Post story while highlighted in a Breitbart release by John Nolte. This is where we are at. Media is positioning solely based on their politics. Politics are infecting the entirety of American lives. The trek to corporate fascism is accelerating and noted by a multitude of outlets, CNBC and The Blaze. This is furthered under Biden as his current DOJ appointee to head up the Civil Rights Division is a Harvard graduate, Christine Clark, who is quoted as saying while at at this renowned institute, Melanin endows blacks with greater mental, physical, and spiritual abilities, something which cannot be measured by Eurocentric standards. And there's a a tweet that uh, this was coming from, uh, I forget exactly who it is, Uh, let me... I'd have to blow it up here, but uh, it's highlighting uh, Tucker Carlson's reporting on this. But Clark is not alone, nor is she the most vituperant lady added to this division. In February 2021, Pamela Carlin Stanford was appointed to the same civil rights division. She appeared at the Ukrainian impeachment to uh, critique and giddily oppose Donald Trump. She later, uh, she later, later sat on a Facebook oversight board that assisted, according to Time, in the managing of the information throughout the 2020 election cycle. This tidbit, tidbit from Time laid out an intertwining timeline that occurred regarding Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook, uh, Gupta, Carlin, and potentially the cabal. In November 2019, Mark Zuckerberg invited nine civil rights leaders to a dinner at his home where they warned about the danger of the election-related falsehoods that were already spreading unchecked. It took pushing, urging, conversations, brainstorming, all of that to get to a place where we ended up with more rigorous rules and enforcement, says Vanita Gupta, president and CEO of the Leadership Council on Civil, Civil and Human Rights who attended the dinner and also met with Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey and others. Gupta has been nominated for Associate Attorney General by President Biden. Carlin ran a Stanford course designed for high schoolers from September to November 2020 called Election 2020, a panoramic view of America's decisive election. There she had as guest speakers Vanita Gupta, uh, just above reference, Bill Clinton, Adam Schiff, Susan Rice, and Lincoln Project co-founder Steve Schmidt, among a who's who of Democratic political operatives and former candidates. According to Politico on February 6, Carlin had earlier gone on leave from her position with Facebook to volunteer for the Joe Biden transition team, Taylor said, and had no involvement in any of the cases the group has already ruled on, nor is new or nor its new case over former President Donald Trump's suspension. My emphasis. To backtrack, one highly suspects her test- testimony given in December 2019 to buttress a morally bankrupt Joe Biden and his son's kickbacks from Ukraine, aided in her recent DOJ appointment. Her talking points on the 2016 elections about Russian interference had little to do with the outcomes, while Facebook and Google did substantially more to interfere, as many have admitted, are yet another political hatchet job to to this constitutional issue being pursued, part due. So, what what I was getting to is as you look at who's involved in these situations, are always tied back together. So you have Noah Feldman and Pamela Carlin. 
uh, Pamela is uh, working or going to be working in the Civil Rights Division at the, the Joe Biden's administration. This after she testified against uh, Donald Trump in December or whatever, December of 2019. And it just so happens she was running a course prior to the lead up to the uh, 2020 election where she hosted Vanita Gupta, who Vanita Gupta was uh, tied back to the the Time article where it laid out that uh, Facebook, Zuckerberg, and Gupta were all meeting and they were having these meetings regarding um, uh, in November of 2019, which was a month prior to her testifying, uh, Carlin, I'm talking about, uh, they were having a meeting with, uh, Vanita Gupta, who is this, uh, leadership council person. And so these people were all planning and interjecting. What isn't mentioned here is, and BLM has got to be involved in this somewhere because BLM was used as a shock troops by, uh, these, uh, tech oligarchs. We know the tech oligarchs bankrolled, uh, BLM, uh, Patrice's, Patrice Kohler's, uh, her, her little foundations are, uh, uh, so this is all a money graft. And so these are all tied together. And then also the guest speakers, Bill Clinton, Adam Schiff, and Susan Rice. Bill Clinton, obviously we know who he is. Adam Schiff, he was the primary pusher of uh, uh, disinformation regarding the, the Russia hoax. And obviously was behind, and that continued on with the Ukrainian um, situation. I gotta probably turn down my um, uh, speech a little bit because I'm getting a little bit excited. But uh, um, and then Susan Rice, who is now working uh, in the Obi- uh, <laughs> Biden administration, yeah, it is. It's Obama and Biden. So Susan Rice pops up again, and then you got a Lincoln Project co-founder and Steve Schmidt. So I think we're pretty. We should be on board with this uh, a narrative that. Uh, we're being run by um, terrible people, um, as far as I'm concerned, and that that uh, we've uh, we've given up a lot of uh, our moral uh, high ground to people who are who are trying to abuse us and abusing the the country in which they were uh, given. These are powerful people at the very top of our constant, you know, um, for example, you know, we can look at uh, Mitch McConnell. He's related to the CCP by Elaine Chow because of her, her connections through her family back to Xi Jinping, who's, uh, was the former CCP general secretary and who's the proto, uh, who's the, um, what would you say, um, teacher of, uh, Xi Jinping. So there's your, an, another Chinese connection. Um, the Shanghai Institutes or, or whatnot. Uh, I bet dollars to donuts that uh, Bill Gates is uh, invested in in somewhere along that line. Uh, we know that the Clintons are Clintons were the ones who decoupled uh, uh, human rights from trade rights in 1994. I I laid that out in my book. Um, there was a story in, around that time. Uh, that when they decoupled that, that allowed China to continue to become a larger and larger trade par- partner because um, we didn't we didn't consider human rights uh, important. And there's 
you know, and then of course we know that the Clintons have been uh, hanging around Washington D.C. through their administrative holdovers for the last two decades. And of course, you know, Hillary Clinton was running for president, uh, was a Secretary of State, and we know what her her uh, administration was. So we have a number of um, threads there, and you can also pull in the Bushes, and you can pull in McG- uh, um, Mitt Romney, who uh, you know through his uh, CIA asset uh, was involved with Ukraine. Um, you can pull in Eric Swalwell uh, with regard to uh, CCP uh, spy uh, Fang Fang. You can pull in Diane Feinstein, Feinstein, who employed a CCP spy for 20 years. Um, And these people are the most powerful positions of our government. And they're infiltrated. Uh, Now you have Joe Biden, who, with his compromised son, who he's been getting kickbacks through. Um, There's a host of... um, There's a document, there's a portfolio on on his dealings and, and how he set up Bohai Harvest and a bunch of other different cutout organizations where uh, the CCP has funded or backed and sent money through for projects that never came to any fruition. Or they bought out uh, an American company in Michigan uh, through that uh, particular uh, vehicle. And this is being done, and yet the media doesn't report on it. Yet it hyper-focused on anything that Trump did when he was a businessman, not a politician, or not a not the president, of course they did because they wanted to deflect, and the media is being used to do that, and they're exploiting everybody out there. And this isn't like I said, this isn't about Trump. Trump didn't manage to do anything with the the, the D.C. swamp. As a matter of fact, what he did is he raised their hackles, and they became highly protective, and they the establishment now is willing to go along with using these Marxist-led organizations to uh, instill fear in the populace because they don't, want a, they don't want a populist uprising. And when I say uprising, I don't mean like a revolt. I mean they don't want a populist. They don't want, they don't want people to be proud of this country. They want us to be subservient. They want us to pay taxes and let them do what they want to do, however they want to do it, and uh, bankrupt this country. They don't care. They don't care about your welfare or well-being. Uh, they don't even care about. They're using using race arguments to pit us against each other. Um, they've been doing that for, especially the Democrats. They've been doing that from time immortal. But the sad thing is, is and and this is a little a little known thing is I think the Republicans at the at the D.C. level are probably a bit uh, backward and and along the same way. That's the reason why they use race all the time, because they know how to shut them up, or rather, maybe they go along with it because, in reality, they are—they uh, uh, do look down on everybody. I don't think they just look down on black people. I think they look down on all of us. So these people are the enemy. Of, they, as far as I'm concerned, they're the enemy of the people. They're—we've elected—we've elected parasites. They're—they're they're going to destroy this country. Uh, they're going to use any tactic. Uh, like I said, Ma- uh, Mitch McConnell called us a mob. Nancy Pelosi called us white supremacists. Um, when you start using such loaded language against the entire populace, what does that say about your elected leaders? When you have Maxine Waters and Ayanna Presley and AOC and uh, Ilhan Omar 
and a bunch of others coming out and saying, you know, the United States is filled with a bunch of backward, ignorant people, or uh, Hillary Clinton calling us a basket of deplorables. I mean, what does that say? Um, and and the, the sad thing is, is that we have people in the cities that are glad to continue to elect these uh, corrupt people, and and tell us that, and then and then tell us that they're superior to us too. Um, the mental gymnastics that some of these people have to go through in order to um, to actually believe these things are just repulsive. I mean, many of the people who who went to school, I went to school with these people. I've been in, out of school for 25 years, at least out of my undergraduate. But when I went to school with some hoity-toity, you know, high-fluting persons, I went to, a, I think, a fairly uh, prestigious university in Purdue. These people came from all around the country. Some of them came from small, um, you know, small towns, and others came from bigger cities. But um, when they transferred back to the big city, um, they forgot about, you know, they forgot about the small people and they looked down on people. I remember going to school with a guy in particular. I'm just using a personal antidote here, but uh, um, he was an accountant and he thought he was better than everybody else. Uh, he was from Michigan and, uh, you know, he went on to, I think he got he got employed right out of college at IBM at the time, which was then a blue chip company that somebody wanted to work for. But, uh, you know, there were a host of other people that were uh, like that, you know. They go to these big cities and then they, they think because they have a college education and they got a, uh, they're working for a Fortune 500 company that they're better than everybody else. Um, you know, over, or they say they're more productive than the average worker. Um, they don't know how hard people work on a daily basis to make sure that they get fed or have access to services or, or, you know, you can, you know, if, for example, if you live in a major metropolitan area, how do you think you get food? How do you think you get the, how do you think you get the apartment complexes built or housing or homes if you live in the suburbs? You know, those people work hard too. They work as, just because they don't work on financial uh, documents or, or building a new app, you know, that you can use to surf your smartphone with, uh, that doesn't mean make them any lesser than you. As a matter of fact, they're probably more down to earth and more rational than you, and and maybe even even they have dreams too. Um, just because they didn't go to a high fluting university or majored in you know double majored in you know say political science and and computer science, not that you'd ever do those two things together, but just just throwing that out there. So. Or somebody who majored in political science and goes on to be a lawyer. A lot of a lot of lawyers are garbage people, as far as I'm concerned, because all they're doing is looking for ways to uh, twist the law around in order to uh, succeed. And they've used this; uh, they use these mechanisms to exploit the rest of us. Uh, they no longer care about the law. Uh, obviously, I mean, you see Maxine Waters; she's a elected official. She doesn't care. Joe Biden came out and had had his viewpoint on this uh, particular case with uh, Derek Chauvin. Look, I'm not even a big fan of the cops. I really am not. I mean, I I had a police. I've had multiple officers in my lifetime uh, do things that I thought were repulsive. I had one officer 
uh, lie about what he uh, actually did in terms of serving process. And I had another officer who who decided to uh, over, you know, he I he gave me a ticket. He knew who I was. He knew where I was in terms of you know what I was doing. Um, I I was seven miles over the speed limit at one o'clock in the morning driving to work. He pulled me over and he gave me a ticket and he said, yeah, I know who you are. That would have been okay. I could have lived with that. So I paid $155 for that ticket. But a couple months later, I was sitting at a restaurant and I happened to run into some people that I knew from uh, from the area. And I was sitting there or they came over and they sat at my table. This guy shows up later, the cop that I got pulled over by. He comes over and just sits at the table and acts like nothing. And he he just he pretends like he didn't just give me a hundred and fifty dollar ticket. And then he he looks at me. He's like, "Well, you were you were you were breaking the law." And I'm like, "Well, that's a hell of a note. That doesn't mean I have to share bread with you. Doesn't mean you need to sit at the table." That I mean, this is a this is a case of I'm sitting at the table and I just happen to have some other people come and join me. And then he comes in late and he knows them too. That's what I said. You know, when when you have people in the law that that act like that, then you know that's the reason why people uh, get their hackles up. So, I've had my scenarios where I can dislike what the law did, not to the level where I'm going to uh, where they ended up in, um, you know, the case of the George Floyd. But I believe that uh, he was guilty of aggravated assault. Um, I I think Chauvin should have gotten. It may be a sentence of somewhere between two and five years. Just depends upon how you look at it. And, and that's just my opinion. Uh, but instead, he's going to probably go away for probably 40 years or at least 20 years for certain. So, I mean, of the... <laughs> uh, I think, like I said, they overcharged him on purpose. And and they were in the... the when they overcharged him on purpose... There was two options. If uh, they knew they could get him, see if um, if they would have ramped the case up quickly, they would have tried to make sure he got off. Um, but you know, because of the situation now, uh, finding him guilty was you know to their benefit, I guess. But they're still protesting, like uh, the CIA agent or CIA special agent. Um, and I'm not gonna, you know, if that guy isn't God's gospel, but. Uh, he did. He did point out that this is a revolution. I don't think. Uh, I don't think uh, Nancy Pelosi has any idea what she's playing with. Uh, she's eighty years old. She's weak. She thinks she's got a handle on somebody like AOC and the the squad. But uh, the Marxists are taking over. Uh, they want power. They want. They're they're so desperate for power. And Biden is a puppet. But he's an idiot and he's corrupt. And he's always been corrupt, and he's always been racist. If you ever listen to some of his old talks, he's he's nothing. He's 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 as racist as Clinton was too. Remember, Clinton was the one who used the phrase "super predator" back in the day. Biden is the one who came up with the violence violence laws and prison uh, gun laws. Uh, yeah, he's always been. He's always been, you know, he, they were aligned with uh, Robert Byrd, uh, the old senator that was a, a KKK member. So, you know, the apples don't fall far from the tree. Uh, same way with George Herbert Walker Bush. Like I said, I'm not making this about party. Both sides are corrupt as hell. Um, I always thought that the, the Democrats deal with more with domestic 
domestic disruption and and, uh, soaking the American people that way. And the Republicans deal with international corruption generally. Um, That's why Victoria Nuland is like a linchpin to uh, the Biden administration. She worked for both Bush and uh, 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 Obama in the state department uh she's a russian she's a russian expert but uh and she keeps on pushing that narrative because uh they're trying to you know it it behooves them to con- continue to to make russia the be- the boogeyman in the room um because you know they don't want to deal with china china's compromised them i'm sure russia knows that too uh, everybody knows this about us the united states except for the people in the united states which shows you that the propaganda is working or has worked against a lot of people, especially in the metro areas. That's why I say liberals are pretty stupid I- anymore because, uh, I mean, I once was like them until I woke up and realized that, uh, you know, both sides are enormously corrupt. And like I said, even if uh, even if you think Trump is just a, a, another one of the same, the one thing Trump has revealed is when he showed up, Everybody aligned against him, even the Republicans, all the rhinos, all the neocons. Fox was uh, walking a tightrope for a long time, and then they showed their true colors, and they took the mask off in uh, uh, November 3rd uh, with the way they called the election. They showed you exactly who they are. So now you know. Both sides are corrupt. All the media is corrupt. Uh, We stand alone against the entire uh, apparatus. A DC apparatus, the world apparatus that's being worked against us right now, and worked against our allies, or allies being the the, the common people. the The worst part about this is you have a superior structure above these uh, the unelected and the elected, but the unelected probably are are more maniacal. They're the ones like uh, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds. So you've heard about Linda Rothschild who's involved with these corporate uh, hacks that are trying to um, antagonize the entire populace uh, through their woke culture that they keep on trying to voice on us. We know the British Empire is filled with uh, um, less than um, moral people. And look how they're trying to uh, placate or trying to make themselves the victims now with rolling out Meghan Markle and the victim narrative. That way, that way you won't uh, dig into Prince Andrew and his uh, his connections to uh, Jeffrey Epstein. See, I always go back to Jeffrey Epstein as being a pivotal point when everybody they were. I think what happened was is the elite knew that they that people didn't buy their narrative after he was killed, after he died and uh, died at that at that point in prison. Uh, left and right, nobody really really believed that Epstein didn't kill uh, Epstein uh, killed himself. No one believed that. That we believed that he was murdered, and he was murdered because we know who he was connected to. He was connected to Bill Clinton, Bill Richardson, Bill Gates, <laughs> the three Bills. Uh, kind of interesting there. And he was also connected to Prince Andrew. And Prince Andrew, there's photos of Prince Andrew with. Uh, uh, I think her name, I forget what her name was, but uh, a girl that uh, was involved in the situation. Uh, I think her name, I want to say it's Roberts. I forget, I, I've forgotten her name, but there you go. She was, um, she was uh, tossed away. But uh, at the time, you know, 
this was going on in the 2000s. And so they were afraid that the if, the, if their propaganda doesn't work against the people, they know that they've lost. That's why they've stepped up. They stepped up the the fear porn with the COVID. They've exploited or used, or the Chinese did too. See, everybody's getting a little piece of the pie. And I guarantee this has been worked out to some degree. Uh, I know Gates did. Gates was hellified doing this too because once uh, he met with, uh, he met with, uh, I forget what his name, uh, Rush, uh, Bobby Rush, uh, congressman in August of 2019. And they, uh, along with the Rockefeller Foundation, go figure. So Bill Gates and the Rockefellers are pretty close together. They're tight. He's donated money to the Rockefellers. He's donated money to the Obama Foundation. He's donated five hundred seventy million dollars to the Clinton Foundation. Um, this is these these are absolutely legitimately happened. Twenty five million to Obama, and he's donated twenty twenty or thirty million to the Rockefeller Foundation. He did that relatively recently. So Gates met with them in August of twenty nineteen in Africa, and then later. Um, uh, I think it was Open Philanthropy was the one who put on the event uh, 201. They actually uh, sponsored it along with the world, and they sponsored the money to it. But the event hosted Bill Melinda Gates, the World Economic Forum, and John Hopkins, and they hosted a host of people. And they ran out, ran the as with the infamous uh, COVID scenario, the amount of people that were supposed to die. So. They did that in October, which was just around the time that the impeachment was starting to kick off. So this is, like I said, them drawing the strings together. These things are happening. In December 2019, the Chinese Communist Party suddenly relented to Trump's uh, trade, trade deal. They said, okay, we'll sign. Now, why would you sign when the guy's being impeached? But not because you can't. If people say, "Well, they they knew he wasn't going to actually be impeached because they could see they could see it clearly too." Um, yeah, but you don't just give in because of no reason. There's there's got to be a reason, and I think that's a de- a, a detail that constantly gets missing in this. There's international and there's local. There's international and domestic policy. So somebody probably told them, "Go ahead, let them think he's going to get a win." Maybe that was a way to throw Trump off, Trump administration off. Uh, let them believe that they're they're making headway even when they're not, you know, uh, bait and switch, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, you bait them, you make them think that they're get complacent about the deal that they're signed or they were putting in place that they signed the very next month. They actually signed it, uh, I think, the very day or the very day after. Uh, the World Health Organization came out and said there was no human-to-human transmission in January 14th. So when you start connecting the dots backwards, you you realize that these things were all happening for a reason. Um, they weren't just they're just not happening purely out of uh, Biden. Biden at the time probably was still coherent enough to coordinate with uh, Pamela Carlin and Noah Feldman and the host of uh, gutter snipes that got brought into the situation. <laughs> they were. You know, Biden was picked. Biden was selected. Biden was selected in May of 2019 uh, when he first came on the scene. There was no way anybody else on that stage was going to win. 
nobody else in that state. And even though Biden sucked it, uh, sucked at uh, the debates, and and everybody knew that he was a bumbling fool, it didn't matter. A matter of fact, that might have been part of the charm for some of the libtards. They'll sign on to anything. And he didn't win the first couple of uh, of uh, what do you call it, uh, election events or uh, primaries. Which goes to show you that uh, um, it's all rigged. It doesn't matter what the primaries say. And then everybody just got out of the way gracefully. Bill, uh, uh, Michael, Burn, Michael Bloomberg came into the race for like three weeks. And he blew $1.1 billion on the federal election level. Uh, go look it up, fec.gov. So he put in $1.1 billion into election where he didn't even... Wasn't even in the race more than, like I said, three or four weeks, and he was gone. He was just brought in to, to draw a fire. This is all choreographed for all of us. None of this is really real on either side. But Trump didn't have to bait anybody. But I'm just saying, the Democratic primaries was all a sham. I mean, completely from the get-go. Biden showed up because uh, once Trump, uh, in May of 2019... That was actually when the Trump's uh, initial trade policy, or initial trade deal with uh, China fell apart. China, at the last minute, reneged on the entire structure of the deal. They weren't uh, happy with it. They were, they did what all, all Asian, uh, almost all Asian co- uh, countries do. They'll nod and they'll act like they agree and and do all that shit, and then eventually they'll just say no. Uh, yes to them is actually no. <laughs> Uh, they always have to have the upper hand. Uh, they don't, uh, and, and people say, well, you Americans like to do that too. No, no, you, you, there's a, there's a, there's a point where Americans relent. They usually are looking, I mean, of course, all these people are very crafty and manipulative, but, uh, uh, China was, uh, compromising everybody at the time. So they were, they, they already had, they, I have dollars to donuts. It says in May of 2019, when, uh, Hunter Biden dropped off that laptop, that was, I don't think that was by accident. I think that was intentional. Um, I think Tunner was told to, uh, Tunner was told either drop that laptop off, um, put it out in the, I mean, really, it seems weird, but, uh, there may be some, ulterior motive to that uh, might have been ran by the ccp that was to uh i mean because i think hunter even said he wanted his his father to enter the race because he wanted some kind of respect i don't know i mean then again that might have been driven by whoever whatever coke adult i mean he was in a coke adult state probably at the time and um he might have been controlled by a CCP whore who was uh, feeding him bullshit, which we know he was involved with several women, uh, even though he's married. <laughs> doesn't really matter. <clears throat> so he was doing that to exploit his uh, father, too, probably, or get back at his father. And his father was already, you know, and then probably the information regarding Ukraine was coming out, and then Biden said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump in because they knew Trump was looking at that. Uh, Alexander Vindman was a mole. Uh, I mean, we know he, he was uh, supposedly approached by the Ukrainian government, but uh, Alexander Vindman and his twin brother were moles inside the National Security Council. These people are garbage to the get-go, to the core. 
They're all bought and paid for. They're all moneyed. Uh, James Mattis, there's another asshole. Uh, he was involved with some Chinese group. Uh, he's actually sitting on a board with uh, Bill Gates and Robert Gates and uh, what's his face? Colin Powell, uh, Condoleezza Rice, uh, oh, who else? Uh, David Betrayus. Uh, they're all a part of uh, a, a particular uh, organization. It's a you know international whatever. It doesn't a global uh, the global I forget what it's called um, I, I, the Center for Global something or other. But they're all a part of it, and Gates found, uh, funds it. I mean, he's throwing fifty six million dollars at a think tank. Don't think he doesn't run the entire show. And all these, uh, all these uh, foundation heads or leaders are paid kickbacks through these uh, think tanks. So it's all a big money hustle. There's nothing, yet, uh, nothing of value that ever comes out of these places. Um, Hunter sat on a on a think tank. I think he even got a. Uh, <laughs> I think he's even got some award or the foundation he was sitting on. Hunter Hunter Biden. He was a part of some food. Uh, Food distribution organization. Liberals like to pat themselves on the back because you know they're part of some organization that says they're going to do a good thing. It's it's so so retarded. Um, it's all it's all a crock of crap. Uh, most of these foundations and think tanks are just they're just they're just fronts. They're covers. They talk about national. They talk about policy, and they all try to interact with the right people in order to get people to do what they want. To, to push a, a policy or objective so they can make money off of it. So this is what Washington, D.C. is all about. And and eventually it's going to, this is what uh, Washington, D.C. is going to succumb to because they're going to allow Beijing is going to be the, the center of influence in the world as everybody wants to buy their influence. These people in, in Washington are hot garbage. They're the reason why we're going to lose our country. And I think that's, I think that's where I'll leave it for today because I'm getting, my voice is getting a little tired. But uh, um, I think you can realize how I feel about all this. Uh, that uh, we have, we have negative people uh, that have set us up for failure, and they're going to continue to operate in a nefarious manner against this country. They're going to tear us apart. Because uh, we don't have enough smart people to figure this out. I mean, when I say not enough smart people, I mean we have people on the coast and in the cities that are under the control of propaganda from from a scenario deep down. And even if they know it's true, no matter how much you reveal it to them, as uh, uh, Yuri Besmanov uh, said, um, though they've uh, they've bought the Kool Aid, uh, they they believe it. And they don't want to. Nobody wants to admit they're wrong. And even I'll admit I might be wrong about a few of these things. And I, I would readily uh, like somebody to expressly uh, show me, show me the outcome that's going to get better out of this. Um, I think we, I think we know better than that. When uh, you see the connections and see the money flows to certain people, you know who's, you know who's running the show. So. I hope you've enjoyed this broadcast. Uh, uh, if not, well, I'll try again. Um, I hope uh, everybody enjoys the rest of their Sunday. I'm going to watch the AZ 
Arizona audit. Um, I may even do some live streaming on it. Um, until later, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, God bless the United States of America. And I pray for the rest of the world as well. Thank you very much for listening. And enjoy your Sunday afternoon. <laughs>